Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I Can Do This podcast. Today's episode, I have a wonderful example of persevering, following through, sucking up your pride, and having just an absolutely incredibly impactful marriage. I have some of my closest friends and I guess almost my step-parents on today to share their story of how they've been married, how they met, and what they what it takes to have a successful marriage after almost 30 plus years. So Cliff and Tanya, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Tanya Fix. I uh, was born in Calgary, Alberta. I grew up across Western Canada. Some of the highlights, um, which I didn't appreciate in my youth, were living in a little place called Leaf Rapids, Manitoba. Population 1,500, everybody knew when you sneezed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Small town life. Yep. yep. And I'm Clifford Fix. I grew up in, I born in Athabasca, Alberta, and grew up. Well, when I was born, my folks were both military reserve. So they left when I was about five and a half. Dad wound up with a job with Motorola that lasted for about five years. In Alberta and British Columbia. And we moved to Penticton when I was a kid, and I never understood why my parents left there because I really enjoyed it. And they moved back to the north, and it's cold, and I don't like cold, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Moved to Leaf Rapids when I, on my 11th birthday. That was a super special highlight. Like I said, didn't appreciate it as a kid. I have an older half-brother, half-sister. I have a younger half-brother and half sister and a 30-year difference between my youngest sibling, my youngest brother. So I am a youngest and oldest and an only. Mm. Interesting. And Cliff, what about yourself? Growing up in Athabasca, then we moved to Penticton, two sisters. So, you know, I was always in trouble. You know, <laughs> I probably caused <laughs> it, but you know, that's just life. Then we moved to Mackenzie, BC, and my dad and mom had a sports shop, and it was a lot of fun. And then we moved to Fairview, Alberta, and they had a GM dealership, and that's where I finished school. Very interesting. Tanya, I know you have a bit of a backstory before meeting Cliff. Do you want to give us the story of before meeting Cliff, who you were with, and a little backstory? Well, part of the backstory is that my folks were very definitely even after military, military. So then... By the time I got to be 16 and having moved around, they wanted me to go to a Christian private school. And that was okay for a little bit, but it was pretty tough. Um, I was a rough and tumble tomboy. Uh, I didn't really fit in and I absolutely hated the uniform. <laughs> so um, I actually met my first serious boyfriend at the time. And it was actually his best friend who deliberately broke us up, became my first husband. And uh, life with him was a big challenge. In fact, I was recalling a story today about being pregnant with my oldest. And we were living on a farm that had uh, as hired help that had no running water, no electricity. So everything had to be hauled, hmm. which wasn't a big deal to me, except that at one point I wound up pregnant and had a temperature of 104. Oof. And I wound up in the hospital, called my mom, who was in Prince George at the time. And of course, <laughs> it was, uh, so mom, um, I'm in the hospital. I have a temperature of 104. The situation is not good. And oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So mom, 
mom came and uh, they took us both home. And now they didn't appreciate Bernie at all. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie was a hard to love man. Um, he grew up on the rougher side of things. And one of my biggest faults is also one of my biggest blessings. And that's seeing through to the heart of people, seeing the possibilities. And I saw that in him. And unfortunately, he never lived to that. So I had tried to leave a few times when I had had Ben. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, I stuck around. It takes on average a woman about, you know, seven at the seven to 10 times to leave. Discovered at one point that he had been fooling around with one of my best friends. I was pregnant with Leo and I was supposed to be on bed just because I had nearly lost her. And of course that was a pretty heavy snowfall year. So that was kind of final push for me to get up and leave um, mm -hmm. in the spring. I had nothing left. I had nowhere to go. Social services was a no-go. He had forged my signature. We were literally on the streets pretty much. And I had to make the choice for my kids because mm -hmm. if it had been just me, I probably would have stayed in all honesty. So anyway, I decided it was time to get the hell out of Dodge, left Prince George. And I went to live on the farm up by Spirit River with my father, my biological father and my stepmom. And I had to really kind of get myself back into a new place. And it was kind of tough being a parent in your parents' home. Mm -hmm. Uh, we fumbled through, we made it through to harvest, but my biological father is something special mm. and, um, couldn't take the word no and couldn't leave things alone because when I had left, I had two very traumatized children, mm. post-traumatic stress, definitely for both of them. And, uh, so finally it was like, I just needed to get on. And my stepmother, Morag, was a wonderful woman, a real big influence, a, a solid foundation in my life. And she said, you should look at going back to school because, you see, I had quit in grade eight. Hmm. So she said, you should go back and get your upgrading. And it was a big uphill battle. So I left. And, of course, I wanted to go to Grand Prairie College because that was party town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, all the doors were closed. To my knowledge, that school still is party town. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it really still I is. went to college there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, you know, somebody upstairs really had a plan for me. Mm -hmm. So my stepmother said, let's go to Fairview. So on the same day um, that we drove to Fairview and I applied for school, we found a place for me to live and I found a, a childcare facility. Now, you know, I might be a little slow on, you know, the capacities of, of men to love and change, but I was no dummy when it came to three open doors. Mm -hmm. So I stepped in and uh, went to school. So I actually then met one of my very best friends, uh, Susan, in the first term. And we were the good girls who were rebelling in our lives. So she left her Mennonite community um, to finish her schooling. I had walked away from my faith completely. And an awful lot of relationships at the time that just weren't serving what I needed. Mm -hmm. So the, the deal was we could be bad, but here was the line. So we'd go party together, we'd do stupid things together. We had each other's back when it came, especially because she loved my kids. And um, and so we, we were all of that. So 
fast forward through that whole term and it's now ready for term two. And uh, I have to say in the day, it was right at the pivoting point for Child and Family Services to, to offer supports for people to go back to school. It was uh, a real turning point for that educational support from social services. It was unheard of in the day to really get that sponsorship to help shift life. Hmm. Um, and so there we are, standing in line, waiting our turn. And let me tell you, at Fairview College, adult upgrading is not the gravy train. And they call an order of gravy train mm-hmm. for the courses. So we are sitting all day. And it's my birthday. And I'm like, as soon as we're out of here, guess where we're going, soup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to go home. We're going to get the kids settled. We're going to make their meal. And then it's party time. So we're standing in line, BSing, checking things out, kind of doing our own thing. And finally, they call up the awesome mechanics. In the meantime, though, there was this guy, and he was something obnoxious. Not true. <laughs> he knew everybody in the room, and he was always at in a bag of chips. He always had to say something and always had to have his two bits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe three bits. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, they call up the last of the mechanics. And they finally call up upgrading, and it's like, I am right there, front in line. And all of a sudden, here comes this idiot who's interjecting into everybody's conversations, loud and obnoxious. And he comes and he gets into line, and I'm like, took you long enough, retard. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't really nice to me at that point. I was not nice to an awful lot of people, let's be honest. So it wasn't exactly love at first sight when you guys first met. No. Depends whose version you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Cliff, what do you remember of that first time you guys met? Uh, That was the first time I saw her. Okay. So, um, of course, so backstory, I went to college in Grand Prairie um, and then uh, found out that, you know what, I just finished school. I didn't want to go to college again. So I did the first term and it was like, you know what? I'm just not interested in doing this. I got to go find a job, do something else. So I went working for, for a few years, uh, working rigs and stuff and made some good money and toured to Hawaii and a few places around the world. And cause I was single, had lots of money and nothing else to do. And I uh, got injured on the rigs and, uh, my dad suggested I should come mechanic for him. So I said, well, okay. So, then I got a job. I got my license as a licensed motor mechanic. So I uh, I was working as a mechanic, and I decided that, you know what? Computers were really, I really liked computers. So I started taking some computer courses at night, and I really liked it. And uh, then I was talking to my dad and my mom one day, and, and I said, you know, I really want to go back to school and, and finish my high school because being dyslexic, I got 99 credits. I didn't get 100. Mm. That's like. One credit short, and I didn't get English 20 or English tw- grade 12 English finished because the teacher didn't like me very much. <laughs> she failed me pretty good. So it's like, well, whatever. I didn't really care at that point. So uh, when I went back to college, like I say, kind of wasn't my thing, but it was, I could get into college. And then when I went to motor mechanic school, um, I was really good at math. So the first day they said, you can, if you can write this test off, you don't have to attend math 
for the whole semester. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. I'll write it. He goes, nobody writes this. I said, I'll oil. Yeah, but you have to get 100%. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so he gave me the test. I wrote it all out. And he goes, oh, it's too bad. The last two questions, you're wrong. I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, here's my answer sheet. I said, your answer's wrong. <laughs> no, he said, I'm, I'm a, I, he's not a math major. He was a, he was a doctorate in math. Yep. So he was really good at math. I said, no, your math's wrong. I said, put my answer into your equation. And he did. And he goes, oh, it's wrong. Because, of course, <laughs> I could never do the formula. I could just tell you the answer. Mm-hmm. And I knew my answer was always right. So he figured out where he made his mistakes in his thing and corrected them. And then he did the second one, found out, yeah, he's wrong there too, and corrected them. And he goes, you're good. <laughs> so every year afterwards, it, I have him for math as a mechanic. He just went, never mind, just go. You're good. <laughs> so, so that was good. So then I decided I want to take night courses, did them, talked to my parents about doing this. I wanted to do other things, and I wanted to finish my high school. So my dad, being you know, my employer, said, okay, we'll accommodate you so you go register, figure out when your classes are, you'll have to work around it, and we'll accommodate. And I said, okay, excellent. So I go there in January uh, to do my registration because I already did the sign-up to be there and stuff. So I go into for the class registration and everything, and uh, I'd seen Tanya. But I had gone to a dance because, of course, living in Fairview, there's not a lot to do. Mm-hmm. So you go to the college dances. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, my friend Bertrand and I went to the dance the one night, and uh, I'd seen Tanya dancing, and thought, "Wow, she's pretty hot. I like her." <laughs> so, so then when we get to the thing, and I'm signing up, and I was like, "Oh, the hot chick's here!" <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I knew everybody here because I knew most of the people because a majority of the people going there live there, so I know them all, and they grew up there. So it was like, "We're all." Tr- talking and chatting and hollering back and forth and but she focused on me because you know there's a loud noise (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah that's what i remember going there the first time so yeah so So, now she can tell you her part from there on so at that point i after i had said it took you long enough i said uh like what you what's what's going on for you a little slow or something and he goes no I'm here for upgrading, and I said, back of the line, butter. (laughs) I said, you know, some people don't appreciate that, so he turns to this mechanic guy that he knows and said, does it bother you that I butted in line? No, and I'm like, of course. I have friends, okay? Yep. (laughs) Christ's sakes, I was like, ah! (laughs) So he was already in my bad books. Twice already in the space of a few hours. I'm like, oh, heaven help us. This college might not be big enough for the two of us. So we go along. And, of course, because I'm getting social service to help pay, I have to talk to the counselors. I have to talk to the mental health. I have to talk to, you know, social services again. And so part of the way along, I'm talking to the instructors, and I find out he's in my math class. And I'm like, oh, crap, he's in math 20 shit oh well it's only math i don't care about math it's not english i'm good as long as it's not my english which is my baby my pet what i'm absolutely passionate about in school so we get further along and i thought you know what 
here's an opportunity. And I'm not normally that vengeful, but that day he just tweaked my buttons, right? <laughs> so I am up on the stage talking to social services and the mental health counselor. Oh, I have to back up actually. We're at the health, health nurses station because Fairview College has a lot of international students. So we have to have TB shots once a year. Mm. And that's when I found out somebody doesn't like needles. This might be useful information later, just maybe. So I'm up on the, the, the stage talking to the counselor and social services, and uh, I see him getting ready for his photo ID. Now, at that time, it was everything. You had to have it to get into the computer labs, go to all the dances, use the library, and I thought, I got your number. So I found out what his last name was, and I kind of tucked that information away, and I hollered across a gymnasium full of people, totally out of personality, and I said, Felix, watch your ass! Click. <laughs> <laughs> they took the picture. Yes! <laughs> that, that made me think, oh, she must like me. She knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Tanya's trying to be vengeful, and Quip is like, hey, hey, pretty lady. <laughs> after that so fast forward so then she finds out i'm in english yeah find out he's in my english class now i had the instructor the previous term and dave was an amazing man he gave us the whole schedule for the term and you could go as hard as you wanted with the assignments which is perfect for me and i knew it was going to be a challenge because i had math 2030, chem 2030, bio 2030, and English 2030. So I had a real stacked deck in the second term, which is why I was talking to social services and the counselors. And I said, here's the order that they fall off if it doesn't work for me. Chem, bio, math. <laughs> and then we'll go from there. So, so anyways, day one comes and I find out he's in English and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, whatever. I'm just going to get through it. So we get our assignments and we have a project due within the first two days for Dave. And uh, I go home later that day after school. And it was full day of school for me. I go home and uh, Sue phones me and she goes, Tan, I got a problem. I said, all right, well, let's go and we'll, we'll go figure this out. So I helped her go do her homework on Billy the Kid. And guess who was sitting in the computer lab? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love you, darling. Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so there he is. And Sue's just about done. And so I'm just letting her type off whatever she needs to type off. And I see him and I think, oh, I can be a pain in the ass because he's annoyed me in class all week. So I go stand over his shoulder and I'm like, that preposition sucks. That spelling is wrong. This should be here. That should be there. Don't you know anything about participles? And he's like, slow down, slow down. And I'm like, sucks to be you. Peace out, sucker. And I'm gone. Yep. I thought, oh, she really does like me now. <laughs> she's helping me. Nope. Because if it would me, <laughs> that would have been the biggest thing. Red flag, hello, somebody's got it out for me. See, but I'm not her. I, I was like, <laughs> wow, she, she actually talks to me. She likes me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So the next day, the assignment is due. And typically, Dave's in the classroom, but he had a note on the board saying he had an important phone call he had to take. So just hang tough, and we would, you know, have him shortly. So I look over at Cliff, and I say, so Fix, you get your assignment done? He goes, yeah. I said, oh, well, let me see it. So, of course, I'm sure he thinks, oh, she really likes me again. But I didn't realize that at the time. So I grab his paper, and I start reading it, and I take up my red pen, and he's Watering. This is my good copy, and I'm like, not anymore. It ain't. <laughs> and the class is in a rep, an uproar, and he's making comments. And of course, when I get going, I can really do some good zingers. So the class is now hilarious, noisy. Dave comes in. What's going on here? And I'm like, oh, I'm sitting like a little good girl, like he thinks I am. <laughs> and Marg in the back of the room, I'll never forget, she goes, is Tanya, sir. She created all of it. And then Cliff corroborated. And I said, oh, Dave, I said, I'm just helping you do your homework. You know, no, just a little audacity there. But I also knew that I was one of his favorites the previous term. So I thought well, I could kind of push the button. Mm-hmm. So he took Cliff's pa- uh, paper from me, and he goes... It's got red writing all over it. <laughs> oh, God, I marked it hard. <laughs> and he's like, she's got some valid points. I'm like, yes. And uh, Dave goes, Cliff, you need help. And I crack another one-liner, and, of course, the class laughs, and he goes, that's enough. And I'm like, yes, sir, <laughs> He said... Uh, one of my best students I've had in a long time is going to tutor Cliff. You, you need help. And I'm like, oh, poor sucker. He said, Tanya, you and Cliff see me after school. And I'm like, fuck this. Slapped my books down, <laughs> threw my chair back, stormed out of the portables. And I went, yeah, dumbass. You left everything behind. <laughs> Go back into the room. So it took me a little bit to kind of calm down and settle down and go back in. And so I'm like, Dave, you can't possibly be serious that you want me to help. I'm like, there's no way I can't stand on it. He's like, no, he said, Cliff needs help. And I know that you can help him. And I'm like, no, he goes, your grades are going to depend on it. Hmm. If he doesn't pass, you don't pass. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, fine. So that evening, I'm walking home because, of course, you know, basically with my first husband, I wound up living on the streets for about two years. It was pretty rough. Fairview at night did not scare me whatsoever. So I'm walking home, and he pulls up beside me. He goes, get in. And I'm like, yeah, no. I I think I got this. And he goes, no, seriously, get in. And I'm like, fine. He had just finished basketball. You remember that? Yeah, so he he's he's like fine i'll follow you home and i'm like well that's not stalkerish at all (laughs) (laughs) i I knew she'd either get in the car she'd let me follow her all the way home yep (laughs) so it turns out that i get in the vehicle and i said okay well we really need to have a serious conversation about what we're gonna do because if my grades are dependent on it you're gonna pass i don't care if you drown you're gonna figure out how to pass Mm -hmm. So I said, we need to have a conversation. So I think it was the next, it was in the next couple of days. I don't remember for sure the timeline on that. Do you? You know, we said we'd have coffee in the next couple of days and talk about it. Yeah. And and then you said, well, come over to my place and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So he came over and of course he knocks on the door 
of course, there's no cell phones then. And I didn't give him my cell phone number or, or the home number. He just knew where I lived. And uh, I said, okay, here's the proviso though. I'm a full-time student. I know my house is crap. You say, and I'm thinking I got an exit plan. He's going to say something so I can get out of this. I said, you can't say two words about what the state of my house is because I clean on the weekends and only on the weekends and that's it. And uh, you just leave my kids alone. So he's like, okay. So he comes in, he shoves two loads of laundry off of the, the, the couch so he can sit down and we start talking. And pretty soon we're, you know, we're talking some more and I'm like, man, this math has already got me. I hated Connex. And he goes, I can help you with that. They're simple. They're simple. So he's sitting helping me and all of a sudden Ben comes toddling out. And of course I told Ben, you know, I have, you know, this is a friend. You're going to see more of him. You just do your own thing. Because Ben was waking up at that point. I didn't realize it was post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Ben was waking up five or six times a night with nightmares. And Leo wasn't really an awful lot better, but Leo was baby and had no words. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ben was doing his own thing. And then all of a sudden he was in close staff and sound asleep. And I thought, you little shit ass traitor. <laughs> <laughs> but I love kids, you know, like yeah. I, I babysat my niece and nephews all the time yeah. and cousins and stuff. Cause we were some of the, my, my sisters and myself and my one cousin, we were the oldest of all the cousins, you know, so I used to babysit my other cousins and, you know, and stuff because our family's fairly close knit, all of our cousins and, you know, my aunts and uncles and everything and stuff. So I'd be babysitting other relatives, kids all the time. I love kids. I thought they were great. So to me, it was like, oh, a little kid. Great. I love kids. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell Cliff anything. I, I only told him the bare minimum is what he needed to know. Right. Yeah. So he didn't know my situation. He didn't know and he didn't judge. Um, so Ben fell asleep in his arms and stayed asleep the entire night, which was a miracle in itself, because the truth is, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I had had, you know, they just were on ending. So Ben was asleep and then Leo woke up and Leo was teething and I still had so much homework to do and Cliff goes, let me take her. And I'm like, well, look at, he's a man hater. She's a man hater. I'm like, they wouldn't even really go to my biological father when we were on the farm. So, well, okay, if you want. And he put her to sleep and she slept the entire night. And that was the point when I said, okay, so one, that's an anomaly. Two, maybe I should take another look. Mm -hmm. So that was February 7th. Yeah. He asked me out on February 7th. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I know so. (laughs) And by February 14th, uh, we had moved in together, mm-hmm. which was absolutely crazy looking back on it. That was like so lightning fast. My mother was paranoid. I was walking into another bad relationship because I, I tell you, I had before Cliff, I had had eight boyfriends that had all gone wrong in the course of about six months. So she was petrified. Yeah. And I said, no, something tells me that, you know, even though, I, I don't really know where this is going with this guy. It'll be okay. That's where it's at. Mm-hmm. When you guys share that story for me, it just speaks to the kindness that's in Cliff's heart. That yeah. even though he sometimes is a hard ass on you, it's just like he's always just got such a kind, 
kind and thoughtful heart of wanting to take care of people and yeah just beautiful it's kind of like this little redhead that came to our house all the time (laughs) because you either live in our house or you and margaret were living at your parents house you know it was like you're kind of an adopted daughter because of that Mm -hmm. you know that's just kind of she is yeah (laughs) yes do you want to share leading up to um from that point, from that night to leading up to being engaged and married and what you remember from your wedding day? First date, February 7th. First date, you came to my house. Oh, okay. So I invited her over to have supper at my place. And uh, of course, my place was clean and neat, so that wasn't a big deal. But now I had to kind of quickly, I had to make a meal and everything and prep everything up and stuff. And I thought, well, I love beans. I love steak, uh, you know. Potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> so I'll just make what I love and I'm sure she'll be happy to have any whatever and yeah. you know, it'll all be great you know so <laughs> I make up this big meal and I and I make sure it's suitable for the kids and stuff and you know so her and the kids come home. I don't know where he found a high chair but that was kind of cool. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like well okay you know so again it was that whole this guy's something else. So we're sitting there and he's like so, yeah, yeah, we're going to have supper and then, you know, some beans and all. I'm like, okay, brown beans. I can do brown beans. And I don't do brown beans. <laughs> I, I hate brown beans. <laughs> I steak. Well, okay, I'm, you know, I'm game to try game because, you know, I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm. So, whatever. Meat is meat. Uh, and, uh, well, garden potatoes. We can't go wrong. So, then he brings a plate over and there are two big scoops of green beans and I'm like oh my god I can't eat those but I was raised better than than saying anything disrespectful because well why didn't you like them well because my mom in the military wasn't a cook and my mom was not a good cook because she would just go to mass and so making meals for us kids was mostly mac and cheese or mushy vegetables and Canned green beans recooked is not really a great thing. So it <laughs> tainted my opinion of beans. So I had choked down, and he, I don't think he knew for the longest time how much I hated beans, but I choked down. And I, actually, you know, I kind of got about halfway through, and I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. Okay, yeah, there's enough butter. I can slide them down quick. Okay, this isn't too bad at all. It was quite memorable for me. <laughs> for me, I was just excited that they came over and they ate the food and everybody liked it. And yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. Were they were they canned beans or were they from the garden? No. Oh, no. Everything came from, I had a, my backyard and the house I owned at that time. I had a big garden that was probably 25 feet wide by about 40 feet long in the backyard and i had uh, the whole back side the one side all the way down the one side was all raspberries two rows of raspberries so yeah and i just i'd rototill it up every spring and plant it full of garden and i used to give the because i lived by myself for a few years there i used to give away lots of potatoes and cabbage and whatever i grew i used to give it away to other people because it was way more than i could ever have you know mm-hmm. so so yeah so yeah, always had lots. Tanya, he, he taught me so much in my life. I didn't know how to garden. My mom wasn't a gardener, you know. I didn't know how to do so many things. He helped me learn the structures that I needed to be who I am and how I am today. Yeah. Well, I think that was one of the things growing up as a kid. 
my mother, just because bo- I was a boy, that didn't matter. You still cooked in the kitchen. You you learned how to cook. You learned how to bake. You learned how to make pies. If you want to eat this, you learn how to make it. Mm-hmm. That was kind of her thing. She didn't care if you were a boy or girl. Everybody learned. You know, so we've done that with all our kids too. Like, you know, same thing. I don't care if you're a boy or girl. You're going to learn how to cook. That's how it is. So, you know, so all of our kids learned how to cook too and stuff because of that. So mm-hmm. some are still challenged with it, you know, but everyone's well. I think yeah. you got to add in Tanya to your first date story why why you ate the green beans and why you didn't say anything. <laughs> well, I didn't say anything because that was how I was raised, mm. right? You were grateful for what you had, and if you didn't eat, you starved. Really, that was that was the way. Um, and and honestly, it was I was just so programmed. I didn't know. I mean, it took me a long time to figure out who I was for me, mm-hmm. right? I was programmed to be, and then I was hurting so much. I, I just didn't know. I didn't know how I could say no or no thank you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was part of who I was in the day, you know, didn't know any better. Uh, and, and I didn't want to, yeah. did, and I also didn't want to disappoint because I was always a people pleaser. Yes. She does. She still doesn't eat chocolate cake to this day, but she loves beans now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. I got a story. Yes. (laughs) So being that I was always a neat freak, I liked my apartment, my house clean all the time. When I moved out, it was always spotless, clean, organized, beds made every morning, everything, always. And uh, not for me. (laughs) And she wasn't. But that didn't bother me. And, you know, a lot of people thought that that would be difficult, but it's like, no, it's, it is kids. It's what it is. It's not a big deal. One day the kids will be gone and I'll just do all the stuff. I don't mind if I do it. I just, because I like it a certain way. And, you know, so, I mean, I can kind of turn my eye to certain areas of the house and ignore it because it's, I can't chase it all day, every day and just keep doing that. It doesn't solve anything. It won't make me happy. So ignore it you know so i kind of learned that we we had a pretty good time there and stuff we were together for three years before almost three years before he proposed yes um so Cliff's parents were snowboarding and i said to him i'm not uh why am i not meeting your parents you know and he said well they're snowboarding you'll meet them when they come home and i didn't realize that in part it was he wanted to establish things for us while they were gone but also probably getting me comfortable because his mom is uh, pretty tough and his his mom had some big concerns so it was not that i really cared honestly no she he he didn't really Mm -hmm. one of one of cliff's friends in the day went down to in uh to uh arizona Arizona yeah they were in arizona and uh said to them one evening shortly after he had arrived so what do you think of cliff's new girlfriend and the fact that she's got two little kids (laughs) <laughs> oh that was a fun phone call <laughs> he didn't really care but i am like petrified because i answered the phone and she asked to talk to cliff and i'm like i don't know who it is it's all business and uh so then she starts reaming on him like, how could you after sharon and after tammy and when are you gonna learn about women who are gonna take advantage of you and she just must know that you're you know from a family of money and how dare you think you know not think this through and she's just gonna run away on you and oh it was brutal 
Uh, and I was yeah. petrified, petrified to meet her. So, oh. so fast forward. And so, there, hang on. Yeah. So when it came to that point, it, it was really a matter of like, Mom, I really don't care. It's not your opinion. <laughs> you can just say anything you want. I just don't care. This is my life, not yours. So too bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just really wasn't too concerned about what she thought. Mm-hmm. Even though she's my mother, it was like, well, too bad. Yeah, still your life at the end of the day. You got to make your own choices. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So fast forward, one of my favorite phrases, I guess, lately. She, uh, they're coming home. And mom was known to have some terrible migraines. And so they were driving actually two motorhomes back because they were driving her mom and dad's motorhome from the States and their motorhome. And mom was incapacitated with migraine. So they asked if Cliff could go down. Well, what it was is a friend of ours has a plane. So we flew to High Prairie to pick up so that he could pick up mom and I could drive the other vehicle back. So... We met, so I said, well, I'll take Ben with me. Yeah. And uh, so Ben could fly in a plane, you know, and because uh, I grew up with my dad being a pilot, I flew in a plane all the time as a kid, so, and I thought it was fun. And so, the you know, the guy we were going with, yeah, he, had no, he didn't care if we took Ben, it's all good. So get Ben in the plane and myself, and we fly to High Prairie and get out, and mom didn't really get a chance to meet Ben or anything at that point because she was just not feeling well we just got her in the plane and off they took and headed back to Fairview and dad got to meet Ben and he liked Ben and we got in the car and he said well you're driving this and follow me we're away we go so away we went and headed back to Fairview so I went up to the house and we had kind of talked and said well what if I made supper for when everybody gets here Right, because, because it's going to help yeah, to yeah. walk. You know, because at that time, I was a key. We had a key in the house because yeah. we were always taking care of the house while they were gone. I always took care of it in the winter time. I wore the see because the sisters never watered anything. The plants would all die if they were taking care of them. So <laughs> I like plants. As you've seen our house, it's full yes. of plants. So, so I always watered the plants and I took care of the house and checked it every few days and stuff. So then I'd go with and I would help because mom had thirty odd plants at that point, and I said, you know, why don't I go? use the kitchen we'll make some meal and then she can come home eat and just go straight to bed so there i am the unwanted stranger in my future mother-in-law's kitchen with leo you know toddling around because she's just one and they come in the door and the first thing that happens is grandma grandma and leo runs to her with abandon (laughs) and i'm like wow and she tansy was stunned Absolutely. She didn't know what to make of it. It just totally melted her heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That year they came back in the spring. So we went through the winter, the fall and whatever. But they always, my parents always came home for Christmas. So they had presents for the kids and we brought the kids up for opening Christmas presents and stuff. Ben's three, just, you know, going to be four, three and a half. Eh? So we give this present and of course, I'm teaching him how to unwrap, lift the page, you know? (laughs) Chaos. Yeah, you know, I liked it, you know, cotton chaos. So he ripped all the paper off, and he looked at it with this huge smile and expression. I I got a box. He said, what's in the box? I don't care, I got a box. (laughs) Yeah. He was so excited he got a box. Like, <laughs> it must have taken us hours to convince him to open the box. That there was a 
something even better inside the box. <laughs> I was excited to have the box. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was pretty special. So yeah. you know, really, everything everything in our lives, our big events revolve around between my birthday and Valentine's Day. I've never really had you know this concept of having a birthday to treasure for my own because Leo was my birthday present. She was on the 29th, minus the 31st of January. And so uh, we had Leo's birthday and of course we loved to do cakes for the kids. Cliff and I always got creative and he loved to decorate. I would help shape it. I would help come up with baking and, and whatever concepts, but Cliff was always the decorator. And so we had leftover cake in the fridge that one particular birthday and he's trying to get me to open the fridge and I can't figure out for the love of me why he wants me to open the fridge I'm like no I'm not hungry no I don't need lunch no I, I'm I, I, seriously I'm good and he's like would you please just go open the fridge <laughs> <laughs> and there was the, the frosting on top of the frosting yeah, it was all nice you know the rock on ice Oh, so, you put the, does that mean you put the ring on ice or the icing? Yes. Oh, wow. On top of a special little piece that he had kind of redone just for me. <laughs> Did you write on it too or just cover the piece of cake and frosting? It wasn't that big a piece. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> First of all, it was chocolate cake and I don't do chocolate. So it was made to just sort of like be a ring holder. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, of course, I look at it and I'm like, you can't be serious. Like, I still don't know if I really love you. I don't know, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm committed, but I'm not sure if I'm that committed. And he said, just say yes, because I think you will. Just say yes, because I do. And I can love you enough for the both of us. Hmm. Yeah. There's so much patience and grace in that of just knowing that you came from a very rough background and going, I see you and I acknowledge that this was hard and I am here for you and I'm here to love you, even if you are not ready to love me back. And just yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. Well, and that was the one thing that I so needed, you know, because the truth of the matter, um, sorry, getting a little teary. Yeah. <laughs> the truth of the matter for me was, that um, I had had friends who had walked away because of my relationship with Brittany. I had friends who walked away because of the life I had in college. You know, these were supposedly good Christian friends and they didn't have any clues on how to help or support or they chose to walk away, right? So anybody that was cornerstone in my life was gone. And then of course, when I get together with Cliff, well, he was so shaken by his previous relationship and engagement that didn't didn't go that church was a complete no for him. Yeah, church was no for me since I was little. But it was a hard and fast. You were scared that if I would go back to the church at one point, you were so concerned that if I went back to even Bible study, that you would lose me. That they convinced me to walk away from me. And that was a really tough, really tough journey for me. And and so through the years that became small steps steady steps you know and and i think in relationships especially when one person has 
a relationship with Christ or faith it, it that outweighs what the other person has. It leaves an imbalance. It truly does. Um, and I've made choices because I know the value I have with flesh. Mm-hmm. Because even the literal figure of what Christian love and patience should be in comparison to these people who supposedly were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the number of relationships, even, even at one point in truth, my relationship with Sue went south because they were in a church and it was tough to have a friendship with one of us who's a believer and one who wasn't. And I didn't understand. And so when she walked away for a while, it was soul crushing and just confirming again that if I have to make the choice and this is the choice and really God would have to just understand mm-hmm. because Cliff was exactly what he put in my life, exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. And so a large number of my years with Cliff has been finding my way through. What does my faith look like? What does my relationship with uh, any church look like? What does my relationship with other faith believers look like? And really having to be firm in my my own position yeah that it's like you can be different than me and we can still be together and it's okay we don't have to be the same background the same everything to be together and have an amazing relationship absolutely well well, yeah because that's like for me believing in god's one thing but believing in religion i don't believe in religion because i find it's it's all about control and it's all about, and I, I have no interest in it and I didn't like it and I didn't like the control they tried to impose every time I've seen it. So when it comes to religion, I have no use for religion. Mm-hmm. So that's my thing. That's that's where I come from. So, And that's why I really dislike religions in a lot of ways because they try to tell you, well, if they're not with your religion, they don't come to church, then you should go look for somebody else because they're yeah. not your religion and and i see that so often i've seen it in some of my friends who've actually got divorced because you know they were religious and she wasn't or vice versa and they went to different churches and, and it's like that's crap if you love someone it should have nothing to do with the church mm-hmm. that has the church either should respect it or should be gone mm-hmm. you know what one, one of the things that i i came to um, and I, I think it happened when we were reading the Chronicles of Narnia to the kids. Um, and C.S. Lewis was was very wise. And I remember the the one particular journey where they are literally in this barn and they go through this door and there is Aslan. And, you know, they, they go and see Aslan and there's all these other people. And they see this one person who had gone through the door and most would come back and they would be, you know, disfigured or, or, or dead. Um, and there's this one man, and he and they said to Aslan, "Why is he here? He he doesn't believe in you." He said, "Yes, but he believes in this, and is that not the same, hmm. right?" And and, it, and that for me was very key. And you know what? Who we call the Creator and how we worship and respect really doesn't matter to me. It's what's the heart's intent. And that's really what the whole core of, of uh, C.S. Lewis's mandate, or well, I won't say mandate, but the, um, the morale of the story was, was, you know, really, who are we to judge how we believe is the action that shows. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to skip ahead and share on getting married and... The way they do a caress. Anything you remember from your wedding day? 
I remember the wedding. Yeah. We had nuggets. Nice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we had 20 nuggets. 20 nuggets. And we're not talking McDonald's nuggets. <laughs> uh, you know, our preacher I, I, that we used to get married with, he was really good because he understood where I was coming from. He understood Tanya. And he realized it wasn't about religion or the church. He realized it was it was about us as a union and how we have to the things we have to do to be able to survive to the end of our days with each other mm-hmm. and so one of the things he talked about was the nuggets yeah. i don't honestly remember what they were but yeah no i i remember a few but but only in the essence not specific well, yes that's what i remember too like what the the purpose of the nuggets is he said like you get these little nuggets in your life and he said either you choose to embrace them or you let them go and he said if you let them go he said you'll focus on the wrong things he said focus on the little nuggets hmm. because those little moments those nice things those are what make your life those are what make your your uh, your union this is what makes things work for you he said you know if all you focus on is what somebody else did wrong and not the little nuggets, he said, you're not going to have a real enjoyable life. He said, so focus on the nuggets, you know, and, and think of them like little gold nuggets. These are the little nuggets. Those are the treasures you hold, the on. Treasures you hold on to, you know, and, and, that, and that was, I think, one of the best things, you know, about him, like that, that we did. Eh? So I think that was great. And I think, you know, the church was really good. And of course, I, uh, I did when we're here. <laughs> Tanya signed it all. Now I go sit down and I go, look at my brother-in-law. Should I sign it? Oh, he was just my dad. <laughs> my brother-in-law looks at my wife and looks at me and goes, you want to make tonight? I <laughs> It was not a moment to be funny. It was hilarious. My it was not a moment to be funny. <laughs> my brother-in-law and I still laugh over this one. So in front of everyone at the church, you yeah, are yeah. sitting down with the legal documents of like, let's get married. And Cliff looks yeah. up and says, should I sign this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Do I like to laugh once more? You know? Yeah, I do. You know? Yes. It's, it can't be so serious all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> just have a laugh or what's up. So, so to go back to the nuggets, if someone wants to implement that into their life, like what would that mean to them and how could they, how could they maybe do that? Well, the big thing is like, look at the little things that you cherish. Mm-hmm. What is it that you love about your, your spouse? The little thing they say, the things they love about you, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be big things. It's yeah. just the little nuggets every day. It, it comes down to, you know, sometimes even just remembering those special moments, mm-hmm. right? Not the, things but the special moments those those events that are you know benchmarks or landmarks in your life that that only come around you know what were the special things about that what made that and then how can we recreate that in another way or maybe even again well i think a lot of it too is so many people will have one bad thing happen and that's what they'll focus on instead of the the last 10 years of all the great things that went right you know what? Yeah, that happened. It was unfortunate. It's it's bad because maybe, you know, we set each other up to make that happen. It's not, you can't always blame one person and say, well, it was all your fault that mm-hmm. you did this or we, 
you know, we're in this together. That means sometimes we set each other up to do the things we don't want to do. And that's where you've got to let those go, focus on the little things, because for every nine things you did great, we tend to focus on the one shitty thing. Mm-hmm. Forget the shitty things. Focus on some little, instead of nine things, pick one little thing out of there that you really loved and enjoy it. Just like in your day, what little thing did you enjoy today? Don't worry about the fact that you got fired today, that, you know, your boss yelled at you, that your spouse yelled at you, that your kid got mad at you. Focus. What was a little thing that went really well today? There's always something in your life that went well today. Mm-hmm. There's so a your quote. day never goes bad from the moment you woke up to the moment you died to the moment you ended the day because you didn't die. So that means there was something good you lived. Mm-hmm. There's a quote that comes to mind. It's a... a bait is meant to trigger a fish but the fish has to choose to bite it and yes. i think you know sometimes when we are in relationships it's really easy for to say and, and to put blame on someone else for our actions but it takes a big person to go no they did that yes that was hurtful but i at the end of the day chose to react in the way that i did and that wasn't okay i liked uh-huh. also what you said about focusing on the good it's kind of like hockey you know what so often we focus on who did something instead of what caused it? Mm-hmm. He slashed me. Yeah, but why did he slash you? You tripped him. Yeah. Instead of focusing on, you know, going back going, oh, you know what? It's like, okay. It really it comes down to look at the what, positive. What, like, what, what could be done differently? What can we learn from this? What can we, what can we take forward so we can avoid that pitfall again? Mm-hmm. It's really taking that healthy um, conversation and saying, you know, when you, then I feel, mm-hmm. or when you said, this is what I was thinking and, and what triggered, um, and having some really solid dialogue. Yeah, we do that quite often. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll go, well, this is how you made me feel. That's, we, we misinterpret sometimes each other's communication. Oh, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. Yeah. You know, like, and vice versa, we yeah. do that. If you feel like, and it's like, oh, that's not what you meant. Oh, well, that makes a difference. But I wish I'd known then, you know. But And that's why sometimes clarity of information, I think, is a really key thing to communication. The longer you leave something fester, mm-hmm. the more you're not focusing on the nuggets and the more you're focusing on the negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unsettled about something, maybe you need to go get clarity about it. Mm-hmm. Don't let it fester. Like, you know, and so... We often don't, but occasionally we do. I mean, we're human. But, I mean, a lot of it, we, especially now more than ever, we, yeah. you know, we go, you know, that's how you made me feel. That's why I, you know, that's why I didn't talk to you. That's why I did this. That's because I got, I was frustrated because, you know, so I went and did that. So I was out in the garage doing that because I was frustrated. I just wanted to get away. I wanted to settle down. That's awesome. So you guys have been married for how long now? We've been together for 30 years and married for 28 Married for 28 years. Wow. Do you guys want to go back and share on a memory of a big roadblock and what you did to overcome it? Oh, sure. That's an easy one. One day, my wife's, my sister's there, my wife's there, and they go, you're going to Choices. If you don't go to Choices, we're done. Hmm. I'm like, oh, yes, we're going to Choices. Because Tanya figured that I had problems and it was my fault and I needed to be fixed. Hmm. Not exactly. That was, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's pretty much how we got on and, and then when we went to Choices, it was interesting because, yeah, I had some challenges, but 
she also found out she had some challenges. It wasn't just me. It yeah. was a two-way street, and it was like, yeah, we both needed it. We needed a reset. We needed alignment, and, uh, you know, it was a really good thing. What, what led to that was, you know, we didn't have, even though we had had some great suggestions and we had good people in our lives, um, we've just been so unsettled. And I still, like I said, you know, to go back, um, I didn't know who I was for myself for the longest time. You know, in this, in our relationship, I had been together with Cliff for so long, was I just Cliff's wife? Hmm. I didn't know who Tanya was for Tanya. And I didn't know how to express myself. You know, I had so much. And I, you live what you learn and you learn what you live. And I had learned that relationships got broken easily and they were always full of heartache. Mm-hmm. There was always yelling. Um, and I was typically a peacekeeper until I would get to the edge of my limit. And I didn't know where that was. And so Cliff had been doing some things and I had lived with an awful lot of guilt, mostly for myself with, I had a failed business. Hmm. I didn't feel supported through that. Um, I, I didn't know where we were going. I wasn't happy with what I wanted in life. I didn't see that I could be who I wanted to be and still be married. Hmm. Which is interesting because my perception was I was, I thought I was, I thought she was her own person because she did so many things other than what I did, like her business, you know, um, she was into so many different programs and, uh, charities helping and stuff. And, and that I wasn't involved with that. It was her own focus. It was her thing. It was, she was her own person, like, you know, and so I always had a different view of her than what she had of herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was looking to fill the void, and in giving I found satisfaction. But the truth is that if you cannot give to yourself and can't love to yourself, you can't do anything for anybody else. Not with true integrity and 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 in a wholesome manner. Mm-hmm. And I came to that point where, in truth, even though yes, I had blamed Cliff, I was so bankrupt. I was so done, and there was this huge impasse and most of our challenges really revolved around how we dealt with the kids, how we disciplined, how we supported. And I had just had it because we come at it from two very different directions. Mm-hmm. And so I, I literally finished off going to this event with Tasha and I, I came home and I'm like, I'm done. I'm just done. Like I, and I was brutal. I said to the kids, I'm all done. I said, what I want, from you is to have an impact statement. And I don't care what your truth is. I want you to write your truth about the situation, about me and your dad, because we need to sit down and we need to read it because I'm a put it in writing, be real, uh, black and white. And my kids were all freaked out. In fact, a couple of them phoned Auntie Mo and Auntie Mo phoned me and she goes, what the hell's going on? You know, that wasn't fair to your kids. And I'm like, you know, maybe it wasn't fair to the kids. Maybe, but the the truth is, my kids deserve the respect and um, the opportunity to to really voice what was going on for them, mm-hmm. and they didn't know how to put it in writing, which is why they reached out to Empty Mall, and then they had good conversation. And I said, you know, really, at the end of the day, I don't care where the kids go, who they're with, I don't care what happens. I want their happiness and their well being 
first and foremost. So whomever that is, or neither of us, I don't care. That's what my whole intent was. Um, and to really see where they were viewing the situation. Mm-hmm. So Mo phoned me and we had quite the long conversation and she goes, you know, maybe you should get some counseling. I said, I've tried that. I've gone for counseling. I've done everything I can possibly do. Cliff's not interested in going, I'm, I'm just done. Like if we can't figure out a way to figure this out together, it's the end of the line. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the brakes are hit and, and we're going to crash through that wall. So Mo calls Cliff and says, uh, I'm coming out. So, okay. <laughs> so he's totally stunned when Mo comes out and I said to him, I need you to really hear me. I'm all done. Either we do choices together or there's end of the line. And he said, uh, okay. <laughs> so because I'm easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, it was like, oh, well, that's what I have to do. That's what I have to do. And I'm like, why wasn't that so hard? Like, couldn't we have done that through counseling? But so I went into choices going, you know, I could be okay on my own. But if I want him to go and get some tools and change, then I have to go. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it, it was know. a real more of a wake up call for her at choices than me. Yeah. Like for yeah. me, yeah, there's some things I could see that, yeah, I could change. I could become better. I could. I can evolve. I could do things differently and stuff, things I could improve on. Um, for Tanya, I think it was way more of a, an awakening of realization that it's a two way street and that we're both responsible. Cause at that point going there, she pretty much blamed everything on me. Mm. It was all my fault. Everything that went wrong was my fault. And that's why she, that's why the kids were upset because they felt it was both of us. And they didn't want to write something just about me because they didn't feel it was just me, that it was just that I was bad and terrible or anything. It's just, but, you know, and that's why they were kind of flustered because they're like, well, I don't want to really say anything bad about that because it's not that bad. Like, but her perception and their perception of my perceptions were all different. And so when the kids talked to Annie Moe, Annie Moe goes, yeah, okay, I'm coming over to talk to you guys. And, yeah. And it's like, yeah. So, so it, it was yeah. a, it was a really good thing. It was a intensive program, but it really, really opened our eyes to look at things differently, be yeah. more open to, you know, um, personal development for mm-hmm. both of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? And there's more than one way to get from A to B. Absolutely. Yes. And, and, you know, I still like say, I think one of the biggest challenges my, at the time, why I didn't want to go to counseling is that so often so many people i've met that went to counseling got divorced Hmm. because the counselor tended to side with one person or the other often and you know at times with some of these counselors and and it was like okay so all you're doing is you're supporting the wife or the husband and you're not really looking at the relationship now that's not all counselors but some counselors that was what happened you know Mm -hmm. whereas choices i found was really good because it wasn't about our relationship. It was about each other. And if you can get yourself together, you can work with, you can, your relationship will do fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, two really important things came out of choices for me. One, I realized that I could not look at myself in a mirror and have any love for myself. Mm-hmm. I was brutal on myself. 
in fact, not just brutal mentally, but I would stand in front of the mirror and tear myself apart. I couldn't see what anybody else saw. I never saw value. And so, you know, when, when you have that viewpoint, that's yeah. how you color your world. Yeah. Um, so when I could look at myself in the mirror, I was broken. Mm-hmm. And I could see something of value there for myself. And that was a really big moment for me. That's beautiful. And then the other really important um, aspect of that, realizing because Cliff would kind of just bump along and think everything was good and everything is fun. And, and, and it was like, you don't get this, that there's this serious need. And so there was this one activity and they don't do it often, only if there's people who are in relationship with each other in the room. And they did this thing called relationship line. And I'll never forget the look on Cliff's face. So they have you stand facing each other. And of course, I really don't have much except for contempt at this point in time and there I am and I was says you know look at him politely at the very least and we have our hands behind our back and the first directive we're told is on a scale of one to ten on your hands you choose what number you are at in your relationship hmm. and Cliff chose an eight yep. and I chose a two hmm. we're quite a ways apart there yeah and it was tough. Um, and then... Thelma was phenomenal, though. Yes. I'm yeah. glad we had her, as opposed to the other people who lead it. Thelma is the person who invented this program. Yeah. And she is very direct. <laughs> Hold yeah. no bars. Yeah, she was exactly what I needed. <laughs> her favorite saying was, stop it. Oh, it wasn't just that. It was, stop it! that aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
but it was definitely an acknowledgement of how much work I needed to do for me, just truly for me, because if it's not for me, I can't do it for him either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was powerful. Those were the three amazingly big takeaways. And we had other challenges too, through that event, but, but those were the three, three things that I have always savored five years out now. Yeah. I think it was really, um, the very first day you get in and everybody sits in chairs in a big sort of rectangle and Thelma and Greg are at the front and Thelma's pretty much doing all the talking and, uh, and you're allowed to get up and ask questions. Man, after the first three people, it's like, there's no way in hell I'm getting up and asking any questions. She just ripped them people over the coals and slammed them in it and left them holding them there. I'm like, <laughs> wow. There's, and people would get up and keep, and I'm thinking, have you not watched what she's done to the other people? Are you seriously, you want to, you seriously want to ask that question? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. And of course, so that's where we first heard, stop it. I remember, what's her name from Regina? Yeah. The blonde lady. Um, oh my God, she got up and she started talking about being an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. And Delma just ripped her a new one. She started off with, stop it, and hit the top about three times. She said, are you even listening to yourself speak, woman? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm getting up saying shit all year. I'm going to just sit and listen and figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. it, it was oh, so, She so held helpful. nothing, and that was three days of that, or five I days did. of that, and it was, it was pretty intensive stuff, but I'll tell you, it, it really is amazing. If you're willing to play 100%, it'll give you 100%. Mm -hmm. and you get what out of it what you put into it and, and, and that was a big big so. lesson for both of us what we put into it we get out of it yeah. for our marriage yeah. mm -hmm. for, for our business for our relationship with our kids for mm -hmm. you know where do we want to be what we put in is what we get out yeah 100%. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Do you want to uh, just jump back just to cover I'm curious to know like you know for for Tanya I think Sometimes in relationships, it's like there's one of us that's like really more so on the side of easygoing, and then there's the other person. Yeah, <laughs> I am Ryan. <laughs> and then there's the, yeah, and then there's the other person who who tends to be a bit more like melancholic, like in their head about things, and um, feel a lot more in tune to like the emotional side of things. Yeah, me. <laughs> do you want to share? Ryan and I get along so well. Yeah. I do totally. Yeah. Do you re do you remember that moment? Like, did you know that Tanya was feeling so down in the dumps? You're kidding, right? Ryan may be a lot like this, and sometimes we don't actually see what you're trying to put out there. You might think you're sending out a vibe, or just not getting it. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. learned now that if I if I like am nervous about something or I'm feeling something like, like I'll tell Ryan I would really like it if sometime this week you surprised me with a gift <laughs> like, uh, or you know I'm really feeling nervous about like xyz and he's like oh I didn't even I wasn't even thinking about that like I was I was just enjoying the sunny weather like it didn't cross my mind so yeah so for our listeners you weren't even like you just thought things were pretty yeah, yeah like Ryan yeah. It's, it's going long. Everything's good. All, you know what? I, I just always look at the positive things in life and it's all good. And 
Yeah, and if unless somebody tells me it's bad, I think it's good. So part of that, let's be real though, darling, is body language was a challenge for him for a long time. Mm -hmm. He didn't understand how to read body language. Still challenged, but, but he's come yeah. a long, long way. And so, you know, if you don't read the cues, how how can you begin to gauge, right? Yeah. So much, and, and we again, we learn that through choices. 90% of our communication is nonverbal. Well, hers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so when you have somebody who struggles with reading the cues and knowing how to interpret that, it's like learning another language. Mm -hmm. And so now it's okay. So I have to stop and go, what's my body language? What's going on for me? And I have to express it to him and say, okay, so here's where. And, and even tone of voice to a certain degree. He's come a long way in understanding tone of voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which, and, and I find it frustrating to me because sometimes I change my tone of voice because I want somebody to hear something and they take it totally not what I want. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to get you to listen. Yeah. And you're not listening. So I'm not mad. Like I, I'm, I don't understand where you're getting the vibe from. And they, and they misinterpret my voice, what I'm trying to say, because I guess, because like Brian, I'm kind of chilled. And that's like, so I guess if I want somebody to listen, then I got to be stern. I got to be loud. And you know, otherwise nobody's really paying attention because why would they and what for like mm -hmm. so if i want them to sometimes i have to be that way and and they interpret it as well you're mad mm -hmm. but know? for them they probably raise their voice when they're mad instead of just trying to get a point across yeah exactly so so for me it's like i don't understand i'm not mad at you i, I don't get it like a, a quick close challenge with understanding tone of voice and body language with how men are very simplistic with colors. Mm -hmm. really only a very few colors in life. Yeah, you've got a black shirt with white stripes, uh, blue headphones with white, you have red hair. See, but yeah. but but her the wall headphones, behind she's white. But her headphones really are more of a teal blue instead yeah. of just blue, right? No, they're blue. So I know that's more of a you know a, a baby blue. It's just blue. <laughs> So knowing that, you know, just simplify and address as, as, you know, able to help accommodate for success. Yeah. Can we jump back to advice for maybe sharing on advice on leaving an unhealthy relationship? We've helped a few people mm -hmm. in doing that too, yeah. you know, and stuff. I, I think that's like Tanya says, I think that's the hugest challenge. For a woman to leave an unhealthy relationship, it, it is really, really challenging for them. Mm -hmm. They have this, like we've helped a few women with their relationships and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, with very men who are very um, physically, you know, harmful and stuff. And and it, I find it very frustrating when you've done so much work to try to help them, and they go back, and you think why like why would you do that you know what's coming mm -hmm. you know but it's like you say i think it's something to do with the mind and how women are wired in their needs and their expectations yeah one that, particular situation comes to mind with with a friend actually she was a co-worker in the, in the day and um she 
she came to work with some bruises. And I said to her, like, you know that's unhealthy, but that, you know, you have to have boundaries in place. And if he can't respect physically, then you need to leave. And she was like, well, you know, it was a one-off. I said, really? Okay. So then she came to work again another day and, and she was pretty shaken because he had thrown some things and it's like, look, I know that it's really scary and it's tough to leave, but you have to think about, first of all, you've got two daughters. And so if for nothing else, that's not a healthy environment. You have to think about what are you, what are you demonstrating? Because we live what we learn and we learn what we live. Mm-hmm. And so... It, it takes counseling and, and a lot of work to move past that to not do it mm-hmm. or not accept it. See, and I think for me, a large part of this could be circumvented mm-hmm. in recognizing what our own worth is, mm-hmm. right? Um, when we know what our, what our intrinsic value is, we're not willing to compromise on that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that one of the biggest and most important ways we can do that is by recognizing the the opportunities to show ourselves love, right? And that can be everything from, a, and a simple tool that I did, and again, it goes back to choices, but I've, I've extrapolated on that was, I am. Uh, so I, I am what? Mm-hmm. Well, I am a courageous and forgiving woman and I empower others to know their worth. Mm-hmm. But to do that, I have to do that for myself. I have to be courageous for me. Mm-hmm. I have to be here. I have to love myself before I can love everybody else. I have to empower myself to empower others. And so it starts with one tiny little seed of hope. And so my way of doing that regularly is um, on the mirror. All right, I am. And I'll write something that I know to be true about myself or I want to be true about myself, some area that I want to grow in. The other thing that I do then after I've done that, that, and I try to do three to five, what am I in the process of? Because for me, the word try is absolutely abhorrent. Trying is a wishy-washy word. Mm -hmm. Well, trying means I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to pretend I'm going to do it. Yes, it's not that's it, trying is, a, is such a fake word, I think, in yeah. a lot of ways, because it's like, well, I'm going to tell you I'm trying. But the truth is, I'm not going to do shit. I may or I may not. Yeah. Yeah. But if I say to myself, I'm in the process of, well, I can be in the process of I can still fall down. I can still forgive myself. I can get up and start again. So I write the things that are sometimes the very biggest challenges for myself. I'm in the process of learning how to do a new program, right? Mm-hmm. Accounting is not a strong seat for me. So learning accounting, I'm in the process of, I can still make mistakes. I can still grow from that. Mm-hmm. And then when I've had that success for a little bit, that one comes off the board and something else goes on. I'm in the process of, mm-hmm. um, and it allows myself grace because when I can give grace to myself, I can be gracious to others. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. And even if you get a scar, I got a few of them. They're learning events. Mm-hmm. Good storytelling marks, too. Absolutely. Look at this. I can tell you this story and that story. That. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. They're not a big deal. I 
loved that. Do you want to share on, obviously, a big part of your journey together was Cliff coming from a very uh, abrupt breakup, is what it sounds like to me, and Tanya learning how to open up from an, from an unhealthy relationship. Do you guys want to both share on learning how to open up? Well, you know, I had multiple girlfriends over the years growing up till I met Tanya, and, you know, I, they'd leave. It's like, well, you know, maybe because I was too easygoing and stuff, and it's like, okay. The last one, again, was an abrupt breakup. I didn't know why. I didn't understand. They wouldn't talk. And it's like, took you for so much. Whatever. My mom was very upset about it, but oh, yeah, it's like, whatever. She holds them for almost $80,000. Money. Fuck. I got got enough. (laughs) I'm good. I didn't care. So who cares? Like, you know, and when I came and found Tanya, it was never a thought in my mind Mm -hmm. about that. That that just doesn't occur to me because I don't care. The only thing forever is time, you know, it just keeps going. But beyond that, nothing's forever. So, and I guess in life, that's how I've done a lot of things with business. I mean, we had one business we lost $3 million in and it's like, well, whatever, I guess moving on. Our partner stole the money. We'll just move on and do something different. So we just keep doing different things till we succeed again one day, mm-hmm. you know? So we just don't quit and we just keep going. And that's kind of how I look at life. So for me, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. To my mother, was to Tanya, it probably was because my mother made a big deal with her. But to me, I didn't yeah. really give two rats. Well, I think, I think in truth, it was not necessarily the one that happened before me, but the previous one. You know, the next one. Whatever. Yeah. Well, she, she left him at, you know, three months before the wedding. Yeah. In the day, it was, yeah, yeah in the day. But during you know, that now. time, it was probably a lot more dramatic to have something like that happen. Yeah. <laughs> has this amazing ability to be able to just go, that was then, this is now, next. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my lawyer in the day told me. He was a friend, and he said, he said, you know what? He said, we can go after him. He said, but knowing the situation, he said, we'll spend tons of money to do this. I said, you're going to have to come up with money. That means you're going to have to be till we win. Or you get somebody to do it based on that they get X number of dollars when they win, if they think they can win, and they'll take the course. He said, by the time you're all done, it'll take 10 years. And he said, you'll be lucky if you get a couple hundred thousand dollars. He said, and you'll have wasted 10 years of your life. Mm -hmm. He said, what could you do in 10 years of your life besides spend your whole freaking next 10 years fighting this battle that you're not going to really win successfully. He said, it's, if, if he, you were going to get the three million, he'd give it to you already. It's not going to happen. That means you're going to fight a battle that you'll get a few hundred thousand dollars. The lawyer will take the rest because they'll, their lawyer fees will go through the roof and they, because it's an international case, because the people end up overseas. I said, it's just the way it is. I said, great advice. Moving on. Let's not do it. Let's carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we moved on. It's good advice. Tanya, do you want to share your side of learning to open up? Fortunately, Cliff has stuck with me until I learned how to. And really now for me, it's simple tools. I need your attention. I need you to hear what I'm saying. Right after choices, because it was it was my lifeline. We would sit and we would do a dyad face-to-face, holding each other gently in place and looking at each other and, and speaking what our truth was with kindness. Now I can, I can just say, you know what, I'm struggling with this, but it, it took time and crazy little tools that we had along the way. So things like, you know, you can, <laughs> at 
Valentine's Day, you can get these little bells that say ring for a hug or mm. ring for a kiss. And, and sometimes that's the only thing I had because I couldn't vocalize. And that was, that was my lifeline to ring that bell. And he knew the moment it rang, didn't matter who rung it, everybody in the house came and would just give an unconditional hug because there weren't words. There was no way to get it across. I had so much mind storm. Um, you know, I, I said for a long time, free choice is before I understood about mind storms. It's like having this merry-go-around whipping around at top speed and you just try to reach in and grab one thought, no way, couldn't even grab it. And if that one thought was just anger and pain and you pulled that, that's what you used. And so learning how to vocalize and really think about the terminology that I'm using has been a journey, but it has been well worth it because, you know, honestly, I don't recall in the last four years, at least having anything major, mm -hmm. you know, everything major has become put into perspective. Really at the end of the day, what are we going to remember 10 years from now? What are we going to remember nuggets, three years? The little nuggets. That's right. <laughs> the nuggets. Yes. We're back to the nuggets. And, and we're, exactly. And we're back to where we started. Yeah. So closing this out, do you want to give some tips or resources that really helped your marriage and strengthening it? Uh, yeah, be oblivious to everything and it'll all go fine until something goes wrong. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a, <laughs> um, actually, you know, sometimes it just takes being 20 seconds brave. Mm. Right? So can I just be brave enough for 20 seconds to be real about what my heart is feeling and, and what's going on for me? And can I do that with kindness? Mm -hmm. Um, is a huge tool. I, I, I use a lot of self-observation, self-awareness tools in where am I at? What am I feeling? How, you know, how am I? And what do I really want out of this? You know, um, I think the, the other big one is communication. Yeah. Don't let something, if you're bothered by something, go talk to your spouse and get it out there. Find out what's going on. Talk about it. Um, but when you do be very careful about non-blaming you know just go here's how i feel here's what you know here's what's bothering me i i need to get clarification on this um you know the biggest challenge i think is people often go uh you're wrong which means i'm right and you can't always be right and if you're always right, that means they're always wrong. It's never going to work. Mm -hmm. There's always got to be a middle of the road. And, you know, I think a big thing I, I learned years and years ago was um, there's always two sides to every story. And the truth is never on one side. It's always somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you can, I, I mean, I, I saw this the one time in a, I can't remember what it was, some exercise. And they did something. And ask 10 people individually that didn't hear what each other said to come up and tell you exactly what happened. There were 10 totally different stories and all 10 were sitting in the same spot watching it take place. But they were taken out of the room so nobody could hear what the other said. And each person came in to the front of the crowd and told what they saw. 
10 people, not one saw the same thing. And you think it was all there. They had a videotape. They knew exactly what happened. And yet perception was, is your perception tainted about what happens because of your past and the things you carry with you? Yeah. Mm. Which is, I think, one of the big things. Stop dragging the chair. Yeah. Quit carrying all the baggage. Get rid of the baggage you're dragging with you. Mm-hmm. You know, because that taints your perspective sometimes in unhealthy ways. You know, another tool that I really like, and it's, it's challenging, but if you can really have the dialogue and ask for what it is you really want. So again, going back to choices tools, one of the first things we did after we found out where we were so diametrically opposed on the relationship line was we had to ask for three things that we truly wanted. And the other partner had to be willing to acknowledge and do that uninhibited um, and no provisals. So I said to Cliff, one of the things I wanted was, I want to listen to music without hearing your judgment about what kind of music I listen to. Mm. <laughs> because he's like, oh, this rap crap, or oh, this or that. And I, and I felt I didn't have that opportunity. And then his biggest one that he asked for actually was date night. And I died inside. <laughs> he wanted a date night once a week. And I'm like, no. But you know, the truth is when I honored that, I started to rebuild that. And so it's just as simple as honoring the contract. If you've been asked for it with integrity, um, give it with integrity because the opportunities that come from it are really something else. They're really beautiful. And and I I do even today listen to music. I really don't like when Tanya wants to play it. When my kids play, however, I'm kind of like my dad. It's like, I don't like your crap. I love that. And I'm going to make sure that I tag choices and how to maybe reach out to that program in the show notes. And if our listeners today, if you guys like this episode, make sure you subscribe, like, and follow and share it to social media. If you want to reach out to Cliff and Tanya to maybe ask them some questions, send me a message and I will get you guys in touch. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and have a wonderful day.